You're listening to On the Air with Penn State Do Boys. Hello, and welcome to our Healing Through Storytelling podcast. My name is Colleen Lanzoni, and I am the campus counselor here at Penn State Du Bois. Storytelling is a powerful and healing way to cope with trauma and stress. In the age-old tradition of sharing narratives, we find solace, strength, and a path towards recovery. Sharing our stories has the power to mend the deepest wounds and offers hope to those who have endured hardship. It can provide inspiration to those seeking a path to wellness. Storytelling can help you express, reframe, and connect with your experiences. Through the magic of storytelling, we mend the fragments of our past, embrace our present, and illuminate a brighter future. It unites heart and mind in the remarkable tapestry of human existence. During our storytelling episodes, we will hear from students about how their stories have been transformed by their courses, influences, and activities here at Penn State Du Bois. We will learn about their journeys and those that have helped along the way. As we begin, I would like to introduce our host today, Hannah Allen. Hannah is one of our certified peer educators, which are also known as CPE. Certified peer educators are a group of students here on campus that are interviewed and selected. They are student leaders, and they go through a 12-hour certification course to be able to help with wellness activities on campus and meeting with students one-on-one to help them. Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and our guest here today? Yeah, my name is Hannah Allen. I am a third year and my major is human development and family studies. Not only am I a CPE, but I am also the primary chair for THON, which is the world's largest student-run philanthropy that helps kids with pediatric cancer. Skylar, would you like to introduce yourself? So my name's Skylar King. I am a fourth year human development and family studies major with a minor in addictions and recovery. Um, I've done pretty much everything there is to do on this campus. Um, I was the youngest president in student government history for all Penn State campuses. Um, I'm currently the programs chair for the, our campus activities board. Uh, I'm also a CPE. Hannah and I have been CPE together for three years now. Yeah, and I just I do a lot on campus and um, off campus. I work at Penn Highlands Behavioral Health inpatient and outpatient. Um, So I can get a lot of experience with healing on and off campus. Thank you. It is so nice to have you guys here today. And we're really excited to hear about Skylar's journey and to have Hannah um, walk through that journey with her. We are going to use the tapping bowl today to center our thoughts and our breaths. A tapping bowl is a metal bowl that we use in meditation practice. When we tap the bowl, you can hear the sound resonate. We're going to use this tapping bowl to center our thoughts and our breaths. So let us start 
with an affirmation to reflect upon as we count our breaths and listen to the bowl as it slowly resonates into quietness. You have a unique and powerful story and it's worth telling. Breathing in and out. You have a unique and powerful story and it's worth telling. Breathing in and out. In and out. Taking a few deep breaths before we begin can center ourselves. So Hannah, can you please help guide our story teller today? Of course. Skylar, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey, providing as much detail as you're comfortable with? Yeah, so it goes a really long way back. Um, I'd say I started to realize that there was something up in high school. Like, I didn't know what it was. Um, I remember there was nights where I would just scream and cry and my mom would, like, just hold me because neither of us understood, like, what was wrong with me. I would get so overstimulated. I had the worst anxiety. It was so hard to even go to school. And um, there was times where my mom would say, I don't know what to do for you. And nobody did. I come from an extremely small town. Um, There's not a lot of resources for anything, let alone mental health. Um, So if I were to seek treatment, um, then I don't think it would have went well for me. um, Just because I wouldn't have been able to experience the things that I did I think I don't regret anything that I've been through I think that it's super important for who I am today um the good person I am today and the um stable person I am to have went through that um in high school but I graduated high school early um let alone having all that anxiety I still somehow wanted to finish early came to college right after I turned 17 um first time living away from my parents or paying for my own stuff or being able to do what I was allowed to do and I just took it and ran with it um and it was not a good experience for me um if there's anyone on campus uh that's gonna hear this that met me my freshman year I they would say that I'm a completely different person than I was um it was not a good look um I was just manic um I've realized that's what that was I was manic and I would think that I was having the best time of my life and I would go and do all sorts of things that I just now I'm like why did I ever do that me today would never do that stuff but I just thought I was living at the end of that year to um, just add on to the manic pile um, I enlisted in the army I knew my health wasn't that great I was passing out and um, due to the stress on my body my body physically couldn't take that and I was passing out Um, but I decided it was a fluke and I was going to join the army anyway and no one was going to stop me. I did. They found out about me passing out. They found out um, about all of that stuff and took me in as a holdover and made me sit in this room for a month, not allowed to work out. You ate the scraps of all the other trainees that were there. It was awful. And it was middle of July, heat category four in South Carolina um, in OSU's full army uniform. 
Um, I just, it was awful and I realized that I never wanted to do that again, but I realized, um, okay, if I'm not spending 20 years in the army like I thought, what am I gonna do? So I come back to Penn State Dubois and I'm just trying to figure out, okay, if I'm not gonna spend 20 years in the army, what do I actually wanna do? So I go through another year, I was working at a daycare, which I that made me realize I'm never working at a daycare again, but it was a good job for me at the time. It kept me good. It kept me stable. After that, I, the summer after that, I started working at Penn Highlands and I realized that I had a talent or um, an ability to help other people and I've always known that about myself, but I didn't have much opportunity for that. Um, so then when I started this job, I realized like, oh wow, like I'm actually making a difference. Um, and I'd say that's where, that's where it started to go up. It was a long time, a lot of crazy stories. And then I just decided I wanna help people and I don't wanna feel this way anymore because helping people was helping me. And that was a really long story to say that I've realized that helping people is what helps me, but it's, I wanted to mention the other stuff because it's super important to who I am today. Yeah, so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what were the early signs or triggers that led to the mental health challenges you experienced? Um, I would say getting overstimulated. It's always been that way. I don't, I remember the first time um, I went into a dance and my, there was like 26 people at my dances. They were, they were nothing special and there was very minimal decorations in our high school gym. It was just not good, but I would get overstimulated by that and like, or the fact that like, oh, these girls said they're gonna wear this, so like, what am I gonna wear? And I would, I cared so much about what other people think, I just couldn't take it. And so I've realized that if I'm starting to get overstimulated now, I need to correct that before it spirals into something like it used to, but I've been pretty good about that recently. Who here on campus has been most helpful in your recovery process? Um, there's been a lot of people that I've met on this campus um, in the past four years that I've been here. A lot of faculty um, and a lot of students. Um, and there are people who have been so helpful to me. And part of the reason that I came back here after the Army was because it was safe to me. And one of the people that made me feel that way since the beginning is um, Marley Doty. She was one of our HCFS faculty here. Um, she is now at World Campus, but since the very beginning, she was the one who she noticed I stopped going to class and she would text me um, and she would um, just make sure I'm okay. And it wasn't even like texting me to say, hey, you missed class, do your homework. It was like, hey, I'm really worried about you. You haven't been to class lately. And that like change of tone really matters because I would have people just think, oh, she's just slacking off. She's not going to class. But I had some really bad stuff going on my freshman year, like my first semester. Um, and Marley was the only person who out of my faculty. There was plenty of other people who noticed, um, but Marley noticed that it wasn't that I didn't have the ability to do this work, it's that I didn't have the ability to focus on um, getting it done. I had way too many other things in my mind, and so that was really helpful to me, and I still am in contact with her, even though she's not here anymore. I went on an alternative spring break 
with her and some other students to uh, Seattle, Washington to help people in homelessness, poverty, and food insecurity. And that is a whole different story, but that changed my life and her being a part of that um, was super helpful in that process. Yeah, Marley is pretty amazing. Were there any specific treatments or therapies that made a significant difference for you? I am um, a firm believer that every single person could benefit from therapy, but sometimes I need to take my own advice with that. I say that all the time, but, and Colleen knows that (laughs) I am not the best at following through with therapy appointments. Um, I've done a bit here and there. I see a psychiatrist online a major part of what I missed in that first question. I actually got diagnosed in December of 2022 with obsessive compulsive disorder, ADHD, and anxiety, a few other things, um, all manageable. Oh, and PTSD was the big one. But when I got diagnosed with all of that stuff, that medicine was the first time that I actually passed my classes. I passed all my classes. I didn't turn in a late assignment. I didn't late drop a class. I didn't withdraw from the semester. And it took me six semesters to get that right. I've gotten, I've passed classes before, but I was not an A plus student like I was in high school and I knew I had more ability than that. So I would say that the treatment that best helped me was getting that medication for ADHD. And I know it doesn't work for everyone, but that's just what worked for me. And um, I see a therapist occasionally, but usually it's just that psychiatrist online that um, provides some therapy services for me. How do you manage setbacks or relapses in your mental health journey? I am a self-sabotager, so um, usually if there's a minor setback, it's never a minor setback. It's always going to be a major setback because I could, like this morning, I went to take my clothes out of the dryer and they were still wet, and I they were I only had dark gray scrubs and I wanted my light gray scrubs and but they were wet and I didn't have enough time to dry them and so I would say that's a minor setback and I turned that into a mate like I was this morning I was like I'm not going to work like I'm not doing anything so I just can take the smallest thing and just turn it but once I realize that I'm doing that I'm like Skylar you're being ridiculous just wear the dark pair of scrubs and that's exactly how it is and that goes for anything um I know that's not specifically related to mental health but that's just an example of I have to identify it I am a big like I have to self-identify or or I have to have someone call me out um of my friends are really good and my mom is one of the best people at calling me out like you sound ridiculous you do you understand what you sound like right now and I'm like oh yes snap out of it and I do but I have been in situations where I can't just snap out of it and I try to just focus on myself and do things that I want like read a book or go to the gym do things that are best for me and I'll be selfish all I want when I'm having a setback in my mental health. I am allowed to be selfish for that. And I just take care of myself and kind of wait for it to blow over and use my coping strategies as well. I know that you have a lot going on um, with school and work and everything. So how do you practice self-care and maintain your mental well-being on a day-to-day basis? Like I was talking about previously, um, I really just try to do things that I enjoy doing. Um, lately, I've been really into cleaning, which I never 
in a million years would have imagined that I've been into cleaning. But I got a new mop and like just having a clean house and lighting a candle and sitting on the couch, like there's not a problem in the world that could touch me. It's just like that is such a good feeling for me. Um, organizing, I will, I have this drawer of beads that I make keychains with and I will dump them out in the middle of the floor so I can reorganize them back into their things because I love, that's just what helps me. And I'm like, I need to organize something right now. Give me something to organize. And I just do. I also really like to get my nails done and get my lashes done and so when I have those appointments that's um, already a guaranteed hour every week that I have to myself and nobody else like I can't be on my phone during either of those so I'm just laying there in silence for an hour and it's the nicest thing ever I and I don't even really need to have my hair or my um, nails or my lashes done, but it's just the fact that it's an hour by myself every week and nobody else can touch that. How has your mental health journey shaped your future goals and aspirations? I think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be in HDFS at all if it wasn't for me going through some stuff myself. And the events that led me to working at Penn Highlands actually are a perfect example of this. Um, I really wasn't doing good. I had a boss who really didn't like me and I couldn't understand why. I would come into work every day and wonder if she was gonna be nice to me or not. Um, and I just thought something was wrong with me. Like why, why like these ki- the kids love me. I'm a great teacher, so like why can't you? And I, it really affected me because like I said earlier, I really care what people think and well really cared but she it was just it was just really bad and so I quit there I was babysitting my cousins for a while and I just realized sitting in the house every day like I don't want to do this all summer long and I need to make some real money and and I just quit being a teacher I don't need to be around these kids anymore (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then I was just applying to places saw this job at the hospital I was like oh that'll be easy I didn't really know what behavioral health was. (laughs) I didn't understand what behavioral health meant. Um, I figured it had something to do with mental health, but I just applied because I was like, that'll be easy, get some quick money. I like, I've worked in a hospital before. So I did that and it was my first day and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Um, I realized that I was impacting other people, the coworkers, I finally had a positive work environment and that's something since working for six years and I've never experienced a positive work environment besides this one. They just told me, like, they reassured me that I was doing okay and that it's only, you're only orienting right now, so it's gonna be fine, like, you're gonna be okay. And they, that just really helped me. And so I decided, if I really like this, I'm pretty sure that's what HDFS is at school. Maybe I should just change to HDFS. So I um, talked to one of the HDFS professors, Dr. Sarah, and asked her to be my advisor because I respect her professionally. And um, so I really just wanted her to guide me um, with this new, new journey. I think that that really was the turning point for this whole thing. That's just, if I didn't go through any of that, then I wouldn't be an HDFS major. I wouldn't work at the hospital. And all of the things that I consider to be some of the best things in my life wouldn't be there anymore. What advice do you have for someone currently struggling with their mental health? Listen to your mom. Um, (laughs) My mom has really (laughs) tried for a long time 
to say like she not that she knows what's best for me but mother knows best and I've started to realize that and whenever she would say maybe you shouldn't maybe this person's not the best for how you're feeling right now or like this isn't gonna end well you're gonna be sad like she knows me more than anybody else does and I for so long just treated her so bad and like kind of was gaslighting her into thinking that like oh there's nothing wrong with me so like you don't need to be treating me like there's something wrong with me and I was so rude to my parents and I that's something that I regret the most and I can imagine when I have kids that I would never want to be treated that way by them so yeah my biggest advice is don't take it out on your parents or your loved ones or your boyfriend or girlfriend or anybody because they're the ones that are trying to help you and they love you. Skylar, I loved listening to everything that you said and it has been such an honor to be a part of your journey for the past couple of years and to watch um, watch you grow. Um, and it has been an amazing experience being a witness to your narrative. We are all honored to be a part of it. I would encourage anyone who Skylar's story may have resonated with to reach out to seek some help. Um, Skylar talked about uh, getting some psychiatry help and coming to counseling and, and getting you know, talking to a therapist. If you are struggling, please reach out for help. Um, if you are here on campus, you can come to Student Affairs and seek out counseling support. Um, or if you are in the community, uh, and you need some assistance, you can reach out for help and you can always call the National Suicide Helpline at 988. I want to thank you both, Skylar and Hannah, for being here today. And as our podcast comes to a close, let us end with healing gratitude as we breathe in and say, With gratitude, I let my heart unfold. Or through storytelling, my soul is made whole.